Ladies and gentlemen, now hosting the Rizzo cast, put your hands together for Steven Risotto. What is happening, everybody? And welcome. This is episode number 102 of RizzoCast. I'm Steven Rizzotto. And today we are joined by a very special guest. And I can't stress enough how special of a guest this is. <laughs> it is the uh, athletic director, my former athletic director at Archbishop Reardon High School in San Francisco. Yeah, he calls games there, play-by-play, the broadcaster. And he's also the host of Crusader Weekly Live, the Instagram sports show that Reardon has going on there. It is Mr. Bob Green. Uh, BG, what's going on? How you doing? Welcome. Riz, thanks for the uh, the introduction, man. You're you're way too kind. Uh, I'm I'm nobody special, but I was I was honored that you would uh, be willing to have me on, and uh, definitely appreciate uh, getting this opportunity to talk with you. Yeah, no doubt about it. And you know, grass is green right now. The weather's you know kind of looking nice sometimes. Baseball's back, so like I mean, this time of year for me, it's like it's really rewarding. It's really fulfilling. What is yep. this kind of time of year like for you? I mean, this is the best time of year that there is, especially in my household, I think now more than ever, because uh, my son and now even my daughter are playing, right? And I've got a son who's now 11. He turned 11 on Sunday, a daughter who's five. Um, and so they're they're really into baseball. My whole family's really into baseball. We're involved with the local little league. So that coupled with obviously the stuff I do at Reardon, uh, coupled with my own enjoyment of, of just being a fan and observer of, of major league baseball. Now I've really gotten into to college baseball here this year recently. Um, and so, you know, this is, I mean, there really isn't anything better uh, th- than this time of year. And it helps that the giants are seven and two also. Yes, that, no, that does help for sure. And uh, it's been a lot of fun watching them. And I think the NOS is going to be really competitive this year again, once again, uh, and, and one of the reasons why uh, I, I wanted to have you on is because uh, th- there was an incident that came up uh, at the beginning of the year. I, I believe it was April 11th or something like that. Uh, and it brought up the topic of unwritten rules. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned this to me before, and you said that there's a lot of layers that goes that goes into unwritten rules and explaining them and trying to break them down. And I figured we'd do just that. And I figured I kind of set the stage here. So in a- April 12th was the date. Giants playing the Padres. I was there. I was covering the game for SFA. And the Giants are leading 11 to 2 in the sixth inning. And Mauricio Dubon, who, you know, a lot of Giants fans are kind of fed up with Mauricio Dubon at this point. They kind of view him as sort of a a risky player who does a lot of things uh, right on a baseball field, but, you know, is more known for some of the things he does wrong on a baseball field, especially on the bases. Uh, But anyways, Mauricio Dubon laid down a bunt in the sixth inning of a, of an 11 to two game again, up nine runs. Uh, and it kind of, it kind of set off the Padres a little bit and it sparked this gigantic conversation, uh, I guess within the Bay area, I guess it, it kind of had legs at the national stage, but it didn't really go that far. Um, as far as some of the past ones in recent years, but, uh, I, I didn't realize how big of a deal this was until my story was done with. And then we went into the interview room and, that was all that was talked about. Not sure. the fact that the Giants broke out offensively, but more of the fact that they might have violated some unwritten rules. So watching this game, I know you were, I know you're a big Giants fan. What was kind of your first reaction when you saw Mauricio Dubon lay down that bunt in the sixth inning of a nine-run game? 
Okay, so there's 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 many reasons that you could argue that I'm not a not worth talking to about this because I didn't play at a high level. Um, I don't coach baseball now, though I did for a long time at the high school level. Um, so in a lot of ways, I'm not a great person to talk to, but in some ways I am a good person to talk to because of my age. And I think that that matters in this a little bit too. So I'm 39, I'll be 40 in November. So I'm in this weird space where like I cut my teeth watching baseball uh, where with the guys, many of the guys that were in the Padre dugout that were mad were playing. So that's how I like learned the game, right? Will Clark, Matt Williams, Bob Melvin, you know, that, that group. And then conversely, you know, I'm young enough and kind of into all the newer stuff of the game to kind of get what might be going on or, or maybe some of the people who don't really kind of don't pay as much attention or, or don't take this stuff as seriously or kind of roll their eyes even at some of the unwritten rules. Uh, my first thought would have happened was, oh man, they're going to be really mad. And knowing who's in that dugout, namely like Matt Williams, who was seen on camera, like basically acting like he wanted to fight Mauricio Dubon. Uh, I thought I was, I laughed and I called my dad right away. He was sleeping, but I had to call him. Cause I was like, oh man, I can't believe this. So that was my initial reaction. Cause I just knew how mad they were going to get. Then I started getting into the layered kind of nuances of it. And then it was, my thoughts on it were kind of, added to because of what Gabe Kapler said the next day. It looked like he was kind of chewing out Mauricio Dubon on TV. We find out later that, no, he told him good job, and this is what they're about, and he doesn't really think that those things apply. And it's great to hear from him because they can't really attack him because he played in the big leagues. So he's kind of a fascinating character in the sense that he bucks the system, but he also played in the big leagues because a lot of these guys like to use that card as almost like a, a way to trump you and go, well, you're out of the conversation now because I played at a high level. Well, he played at the highest level, played on the Red Sox team that broke the the, the Babe Ruth curse, right? Uh, so it's hard to say he doesn't get it, right? Um, I, I think this is where I kind of come down on this, and this is kind of where I'm at with this. Two things could be equally true. I'm, I'm really big on like, I'm going to do what I think is the best thing to do, or I'm going to avoid doing the things I think are wrong. So I would not bunt up nine runs in the sixth, especially in a game where I was up 10 runs right away, right? Which the Giants were in the first couple of innings. Conversely, I would not stalk someone, stare at someone, threaten to hurt someone if they did bunt up nine runs in the sixth inning on me. So kind of my thing is like, I worry about myself. I'm kind of into the idea, kind of like what, what Gabe Kapler was saying. I was like, we're going to do what we do. You want to do something back to us, that's on you. Uh, I kind of was joking that the only thing weaker than bunning up nine runs for a hit in the sixth is acting like a baby about it having happened to you in the sixth. So that's kind of where I come down on it. Yeah. And I like how you mentioned Gabe Kapler and, you know, obviously a big part of those, well, not, not a giant part, but he was a part of those Red Sox teams, as you mentioned. And if you look down the list of who played on those teams, it's a lot of, you know, uh, hard-nosed players you know yeah. the guys that have uh, notoriety of being hard-nosed players uh, so Gabe Kapler kind of came up in that in that way of uh, baseball but I, I like how you mentioned it looked like he was chewing him out in the dugout after Dubon came back in and it did it looked like you know it, it looked like it was not a fun conversation now I don't know if that's just Gabe Kapler's way of talking yeah. I mean he's a very intense guy you know, and he by followed nature. him too he followed him down the steps I think that was part of it also so it was clear he had a message to convey to him it wasn't just like hey good butt and then that's it yeah and maybe he saw the faces in the dugout and then eric cosmer who uh has been a part of this and i'll get to that in a second he's been a part of something like this before he mm -hmm. was kind of had he had words with them at at first base and 
Um, and then the next day, Gabe Kapler uh, doubled down. Or I guess at the press conference, he doubled down. Then the next day before in the dugout, he really doubled down. And I have the quote here. I'm going to read it real quick. He said, quote, everybody is competing on a major league baseball field. It doesn't make any sense how one part of the field stops competing and the other part of the field keeps competing. I can't think of a reason why that makes sense. The pitcher on the mound is trying to get you out. The batter at the plate stops competing with all the tools at his disposal. I've never quite understood it. I don't understand it now. And I don't understand that the best way to play this game is to take away any of your tools to be successful on a major league baseball field. And then he went on to say, what is the threshold? One team thinks it's eight runs in the sixth inning. Another team thinks it's just keep going after as long as you're early in the game, but there's no real cutoff point. That's a tough place to be. Uh, And then here's the, here's the big knocker. And this is kind of where, where I'll get into it here. He said, if we don't want a team to bunt, we will defend the bunt. If we don't want a team to steal, we will defend the steal. If we don't want a team to swing 3-0 late in the game, we'll throw a ball. Uh, So I, I see, but you know, again, like you, I've never played professional. My highest, my highest I've ever gotten is, you know, high school. So I've never, I've never, um, uh, gotten to the highest of highs in baseball. So I don't know how much I could speak on this, but I do know the coaches that I've had throughout my, my playing career have genuinely been, you know, old school type coaches who, kind of preach the the respect the game and that's that's definitely something that I think has stuck with me with that being said um in this situation I think Mauricio Dubon it's probably not the right move for him to bunt and this is here's some of the reasoning behind it I think that Mauricio Dubon he's for me I think he's easily the 26th 27th 28th guy on the roster right now in April and when May comes around and you have Evan Longoria coming back and you have Lamont Wade Jr. coming back, Mauricio Dubon's fate is not sealed on this team, on this active roster. So that's where I would like to see him swing the bat, uh, I guess. I mean, what are you going to get? What are you going to get? A, a curveball and a 2-0 count in a 10-run game? Probably not, right? So you're going to get fastballs. Um, and the other part that I have of this is, you know, why I, I agree with Gabe Kapler on one thing. Uh, there should never be any instance in professional sports where a team slows down to, you know, I guess, let the, not let the other team catch up, but in any way, slow down. I feel like that defeats the purpose of, you know, telling kids in the the youth levels, you know, be competitive, you know, you got to win, 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 because that's what's often preached. And I feel like it just, it, it, it sends a weird message when you're a team that, you know, can't do everything that you did early in the game just because you're winning by so much. Yeah, two things on that. One, I think you bring up a key point. This is professional baseball, not even professional baseball. It's major league baseball. So mm-hmm. this is not the same as a high school game or certainly a little league game where one team is totally outmanned compared to the other. So I think the context of that is really significant, right? Because at the lower the level it is, the greater the, the discrepancy in terms of talent, right? And so that's where maybe you might want to get into, hey, let's ease up here. Uh, this is major league baseball. That's number one. Number two, what I find really humorous and you bring up the idea of respecting the game. And a lot of these guys like to talk about respecting the game, respecting your opponent. I have a hard time taking people seriously, major league baseball folks seriously about respecting the game. When in the same game, they're talking about respect. (laughs) They pitched Will Myers. Okay. So one of my things I struggle with here is that. So if we're really going to talk about, Hey, this is major league baseball and this is professional baseball. And this is, 
a game of reverence and respect and, you know, treating your opponent with respect, then let's truly play this out. And with some level of reverence and respect for the game, not just, Hey, we want to avoid using one of our regular pitchers and why. So this is, so by them, by them doing that, they're kind of feeding Gabe Kapler's argument. His argument is yes, this game might be decided, but we'd like to push it so that the Padres are affected for future games with us in this series. That's his argument, right? Well, the Padres basically said through their actions, we, we get it because they, they folded on the game and put Will Myers into pitch. So that's where I struggle a little bit. If you're really going to see this through and you're really going to use words like respect and standards and ways to do things, and you're going to, you're going to act real holier than now about the reverence of it and the respect of your opponent, then play baseball the whole time. You kind of lose some credibility with me when you don't do that. And teams now are doing it off the charts. I mean, they, they it used to be when I was a kid, Riz, you basically never saw a position player pitch okay like when i was when i was a kid it it didn't happen and if it did happen it was it was a big big deal like when jose Canseco they threw him on the mat it was a huge deal it was like a, but it was also kind of like laughed at right now every week every week just watch games it, it pops up a couple of times a blowout Three times a week yeah it happens all the time so i'm struggling a little bit with taking the padres for example seriously about their respect of the game when they disrespected the game, in my opinion, by what they did at the end of that game. Mm-hmm. And I guess in revert, uh, just to add on to that, nobody took any exception to Jock Peterson and Wilmer Flores swinging out of their shoes against Will Myers. So, I mean, I, that could be a different subject altogether. I don't know, but no, I agree with you. And I knew exactly where you were heading with that when, uh, you know, in the same game, the Padres are throwing the position player out there on the mound and I don't think the Padres are, are victim at all, because if you look at two years ago, they were involved in a scandal of their own when Fernando Tatis was swinging 3-0 uh, which, with the base. Which, by the way, I want to jump in on that, too. Yes. And I, I'm jumping on that. So the 3-0 swinging thing is garbage. You pitched. It's yeah. garbage. Here's why it's garbage. When I pitched, and again, very, I pitched at even a lower level than you, right? But when I pitched and it was 3-0 and you swung, I'm pumped because I was afraid I was going to walk somebody. So to me, it's like swinging 3-0, I get from a big league level, it's like, oh, you're trying to show me up. You're trying to take me deep. It's like, yeah, but I might pop out and you get out of the at-bat and you were one pitch away from walking me on four pitches. Yeah, and, and also if, if, if you don't want to give up a 3-0 grand slam, then don't get to a 3-0 count in the first place where the hitter's expecting a grouped fastball in 3-0. Don't get into a hitter. Don't get into a fastball count in the first place. If fastball counts even exist And then again, anymore. we go back to our original thesis, which is this is not youth baseball. Mm-hmm. This is major league baseball. It's not even professional baseball. It's another level of professional baseball, right? It's the mm-hmm. So to me, again, these are big leaguers competing against big leaguers. There's, there's no need to, to worry too much about it here. Everybody who's playing, pitching in those games is incredibly capable. Not, not even like really good. They're off the chart good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and one thing you mentioned about ruining the Padres for just future games against the Giants. I think that is probably also one of Gabe Kapler's more valid points to this whole thing. I mean, the whole point of it and every single person that we talked to after that game said the same term. And I feel like it was orchestrated because there was a gap between when Gabe Kapler came into the interview room and the end of the game, the final pitch. There was about a 25 minute gap there was definitely something said. I don't know if it was a team meeting or what, 
but something was said because they all had the same orchestrated response afterwards about winning the series. That's what they said, winning the series. We're trying to win the series. And basically the point of that is to decimate the bullpen. Yeah. See as many pitchers as you can in the series throughout the course of the series. Cause that just won't ruin the Padres for the series with, you know, throwing out tired bullpen arms that would ruin them for the next few weeks. I mean, it's really, really, really tough to have uh, cause you know, with off days not mixed in it, it, you have to navigate through all of that. So in the Giants, this is going to be a tight division. And I think a lot of people, a lot of the national media are expecting a really tight race between the Padres and the Giants. And they're, you know, I think it's a budding rivalry, me personally. So I think winning the series is definitely a valid point. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, it is the point. And the Padres, like I said, basically acknowledged through their actions that they agree. They, they counter the Giants' efforts to do that by throwing Will Myers. Right. That's the whole point. They didn't do that because they really wanted to see Will Myers pitch. They didn't do that because they thought he was going to help them stay in the game. They did it to wave the, the, the white flag and concede and then also conserve some some pitches for their, their regular pitchers. So, uh, again, I think through their actions, the Padres are acknowledging, hey, we, we hate it, but we agree with with Gabe Kapler. I mean, that's why it exists. It, uh, if you're truly going to be, you know, if you're really going to, you know, die on this hill all the way, then I say do it all the way. Then then I only want your regular pitchers pitching, no matter what the score. Because, by the way, that you, when it was 11 to 2 in games when I was younger, guess who was in the game? A relief pitcher. It, they would not, in an 11-2 game in a situation like that, especially early in the season, you were not going to see random position players pitching. It wouldn't. In fact, the argument was, because I remember this, the argument was, oh, no, you can't do that because they might get hurt. So it was, there was more fear about getting the position player hurt than anything else. Yeah, no, they're, they're, they're up there throwing 70 miles an hour. They're not going to get, but hurt. that was still, <laughs> but I'm, again, I'm just, I'm giving context. Yeah. That was what was discussed. That was what was talking. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. They're going to put them in danger. And I have another theory in blowout games. And this is an interesting one that I want to present. What happens if, if so say, you know, it's a, say if it's even bigger than a 10 run lead, say if it's like a, you know, a 15 to three game um, and, you know, everybody's, everybody's down on the losing side of it or on the, the team that's losing that for me, if I'm a coach, that would be my opportunity to try some things out. That would be my opportunity to. Oh, you know, oh no. Oh no. Riz. Can't do that. Can't do that. <laughs> Got to stalk around mad. Right. And, and, and sulk and, and, and be tough. And you have to threaten the other team if they are still trying. No, 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 no. Don't get creative. No, no. You got to be tough now because you're down by 12 runs in the seventh. So now's the time to be tough and be stoic. No, no, no. You got it all wrong. And these teams that these teams that, you know, what if there's like a play that you really want to that you really want to run? You know, say if there, what so like for example, the bunt, for example. Yeah. If I'm the third baseman. I should be prepared for a bunt at any point in the game. Sure. And if someone's bunting uh, at a 15 to three game in the seventh inning, I want to show off my range. I want to get on sports center that night. You know no, what no, I'm no. saying? You got to be, no, you got to be cool while you're getting whooped on. You have to be really cool while you're getting beat on. That's another thing about baseball. That's really important is while you're getting your clock, totally clean, you mm-hmm. have to act like you're above it. You're like, like you're above it and you're just so cool and so good. And you're just going to wash this one off and get them tomorrow. And frankly, so that, you're losing no, by you're, that much. So your, your logic is right. This is look, I want, I want to be mm-hmm. clear about this. This is why the giants as an organization 
by being more creative and pushing the envelope and trying to win in the margins. That's why they have such wild success, right? Because it's a sport that largely goes, no, I'm going to do the exact same thing you do exactly the same way. And then we'll see what comes out of it. The problem with that, of course, is, and guys like you and I know this, because I, I was a pitcher very similar to you. If you pitched exactly like every single pitcher, how would you do, Riz? You were a, you were a very soft throwing, right right hander. You're you're self proclaimed mm -hmm. not a talented guy. You loved baseball. Kind of taught yourself and and with coaching how to be a pitcher, a functional pitcher at the high school level in the WCL. But you are not fall out of bed great pitcher. So if you'd pitched like everyone else, how would you have done? It wouldn't have been good because that that you know I would have gotten if I were to throw like someone who had better stuff than me, then I would have gotten killed. Cause I can't, but, that's, basketball by oh, but, the, uh, but to be clear that, that that's a more extreme example because you yeah. don't have as much base talent as a big leaguer, but that's big. That's baseball thinking mm -hmm. is I'm good. You're good. I'm just going to play and we're going to out execute you. That's always their thinking. That's how that, that's why they get, that's why one, when people push the envelope, they don't like it. And two, it's why when people push the envelope, they usually get, they usually have success because they're, they're operating in a space that doesn't make adjustments like that. For a sport that prides itself on adjustments, they sure struggle with making adjustments. I, I've, I've always found that funny, right? Like, like, I think it's funny that we act like we can't, like, I thought, I've always thought it was funny that we acted like shifting was like, well, I can't believe this. It's like, well, what do you mean? He hits most of the balls over here, especially <laughs> relative to who's pitching. Why wouldn't we stand over there? Like, like, the fact that that actually is discussed in our sport tells you all you need to know about who's involved with the sport. Yeah. And the casual fans that are watching didn't realize that guys have been getting shifted on for 50 plus years. Of course, <laughs> uh, if it was legal to catch balls in the stands, they go out like to me, like I, I, like I said, some of the stuff that gets discussed speaks to, and the gets discussed with such fervor as if it's actually controversial speaks to how ridiculous the sport is like like now we're getting people that are mad for example and that is a little off topic and i'm getting all fired up but like the pitch comp <laughs> stuff right yeah right, the pitch comp stuff i don't know that much about it you don't know that much about it none of us do yet right but i love how instantly people are like no this is terrible why is it terrible you know it's terrible all your ridiculous signs every time somebody gets to second base all the times you have to stop play and have the catcher and pitcher talk to each other that's bad Okay, if we're able to use technology that moves this process along while also securing the secrecy needed to 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 make sure that the sport has the integrity it needs. Good. Not bad. Good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and Pitchcom, by the way, I like how you brought up Pitchcom. Pitchcom, if done right and if the technology is good, it is a tool. It's a great tool. So it's, it's speeding got, up the game. Yeah, it's speeding up the game. It's speeding and up the game. I don't think a lot of old school people should dismiss it right away because there there's, it's a tool where the catcher could, you know, they, they click a button and like fastball and it goes in the, the pitcher's ear and they get the sign right away. And there's no, there's no stealing signs involved that the guy at second can't pick up. I guess he might be able to pick up location, but even then, um, but it's, it's a great tool and it, it will eliminate all the, all the sign stealing or, you know, whatever goes into sign stealing. Well, what it'll also eliminate is the ridiculous. And I do mean ridiculous sets of signs they have to come up with to navigate this in a traditional way or a pseudo traditional way. I mean, I, at the end of the day, 
like I said, the fact that we debate the pitch comp as if it's some sort of, oh my gosh, <laughs> like in the NFL, they don't talk about like, oh, oh, I mean, what are they going to do? The, the quarterback has a microphone in his helmet and the coach could talk. That's crazy. Like it's not even discussed. Mm-hmm. We don't even discuss it. And you know why? Because, because it's something that helps the game move along and, and it only impacts the people that are playing and we just move along with it. And honestly, pitchcom working well, you won't even see the difference uh-huh. in signs. Nobody, yeah. if you're watching a game, you would not even tell. Yeah, no, so no. I, and again, I am, I am an old soul in a lot of ways. You know that I love the game and I love oh, yeah. the, the old school part of the game in many, many ways. Like I'm not a huge, like I, I, in some ways, I don't love replay because it's it's taken from us kind of that that climactic moment of like. Okay, the, you know, like I said, the, the like I've said before in other interviews, like the, the base hit to the outfield, guy rounds third, comes home, there's a, a bang, bang, play, what's the call? Like that used to have a real feeling of, of, of emphasis, and it's really been stolen from us because of, of replay. But whatever, like I said, I, I'm, I'm old school in that way, but I, I just don't understand. I, I just don't understand, and I struggle with, and I, and I just, and I really, really struggle with, the the kind of the the overreaction to these simple things that it's like whatever especially some of these former players because it's like okay you hate the pitch comm stuff well you don't play so who cares like you don't you're not playing so who cares and the game evolves so i mean it's baseball is way different than it was a hundred years ago there's probably guys that played a long time ago that would go who would use a glove like this is a ridiculous glove with a glove like this, it'd be really easy to catch. It's a huge advantage. A glove like this, I would be an amazing fielder. This doesn't even feel like baseball anymore. Helmets? Or, what are those? But, Soft yeah, guys yeah, wear helmets. So again, we can play this. But that's the part for me that always – and I guess because I am into the game beyond just the last 20 years or just beyond the time that I was a player of any kind, because I, I'm into the game beyond just that, that window I kind of chuckle at the whole the guys that act like they can't believe stuff is happening. They go, well, when you played, you were getting stuff, advantages, different things that that the previous generation and generations didn't have. That's not new. You're you just you're just discovering it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And there's another aspect to the whole unwritten rules thing that that we should touch on, and that is the retaliation aspect of it. And there's a lot of managers and i guess until until the man the older school managers kind of get pushed out of the game which i don't know how long it's going to be until that happens because you know bob melvin and all those guys they're still looked at as some of the the game's best managers. yeah although bo mel's not a hit you sort of guy like that's no, not no. his deal so yeah he's my example in terms of like um length that they've been in, in the game and, sure. and years that they've put in um but but there's still people and there's still players that come up through different uh communities that feel that you know, hitting someone in retaliation to breaking unwritten rules is still the right thing. You know, like if a guy bat flips on you, I'm going to hit him the next time up. That's still like the mindset for a lot of guys. Yeah. And I think with that too, one of the reasons that that's been curbed, let's, let's be honest, is the, the amount of player movement, right? Mm-hmm. So the same guy you're throwing at today is your player tomorrow, whether it be a teammate or, or, or a player you're managing or coaching. So that's changed. I mean, you look at even like the, the situation with the Astros, right. With the, the sign stealing and the cheating and, and then, and all that came about with that. The awkward part is those guys have now since been dispersed to other franchises and it kind of gets awkward because now we're playing together and we're teammates and there's an awkward dance that kind of has to be played out uh, through that. And so I think that's part of why that's changed. Here, here's the thing. And I, and this, 
I, I am, I am not into throwing at guys for the sake of throwing at guys. I am into throwing inside with purpose to help manipulate my ability to manage the strike zone and manage the at bat and manage other at bats. So, and there's a difference and you, I think you get this, you know, I'm not trying to hit you that that's weak. Uh, I am going to throw, it is a hard ball and I am going to use it as a tool to maybe so that you don't dive out so much, or, you know, just put a little doubt in your mind. Um, it's never about hurting or even hitting someone. It's about the thought that I can plant in your mind that can then help me get you out. Yeah, no, I, I agree with, and not enough people pitch inside today. Not, not enough people pitch inside with their fastballs because guys are on top of the plate and they're scared to throw inside. And I think that's a tragedy to pitching as a whole. Uh, and I also think that, and this is kind of moving into the whole bat flip thing. I know I'm going down that road here, but if a guy bat, if a guy hits one 450 feet and, you know, does a bat flip, first of all, my rule with bat flips is that they're exciting for young kids and anything to get kids into the game I'm in favor of, but sure. just don't look stupid doing them. If you look stupid yeah. doing them, that, that looks funny on you. And yeah, anyways, but if you hit a home run, you know, 450 feet, you bat flip, that gives the pitcher the okay and the go ahead to sh when he strikes you out the next time to pump his fist walking yeah. off the mound. Yeah, I think I, I think that's fair. And look, I get it. I've given up a home run before, uh, and it's a very funny feeling. Uh, it's a very lonely feeling. You kind of just feel like you're out there, and um, it, it's not great. So I get the kind of concept of like I don't love being shown up in that in that way. Again, again when we're having these conversations, I want to stress, we are talking about major league baseball yeah. or professional baseball, not youth baseball, right? Not situations where the big, strong 12 year old kid who's way better than everybody else hits a ball over the fence. That's 200 feet, but he can easily hit it 250 feet and he bat flips and, and makes a big deal out of it and really shows up this 11 year old kid who isn't going to pitch beyond this year that those those two things are totally separate i think that's part of the trouble here is that this game is played on a very large scale by many different age groups and, and ability levels which is fantastic but when we're having these discussions we're talking about major league pitchers mm -hmm. so it's not quite the same in terms of stealing their joy of the game or making them feel like they don't want to do it again and if a major league player bat flips and the other team gets upset by it I think that fuels the fire. Exactly. It's I mean, good one drama. of the things I kind of like, I mean, it, it feels a little bit contrived, frankly, but one of the things I've kind of enjoyed about college baseball is the amount of like clear sort of conflict that's brewing under the surface between the two teams uh, playing at a given time. Part of that is dictated by the, you know, kind of the age group. Part of it's dictated by the, the type of folks that gravitate towards playing college baseball and kind of their mindset and how they are. But uh, it adds a layer of fun, right? I mean, you, it, it adds a layer of enjoyment from a fan's perspective. And so, uh, you know, yeah, I think that that's, that's fine. But again, when we're talking about these things, I just think it's important to keep it in context of, of major league baseball. This is not your son who's 10 giving up a home run and being embarrassed. This is a major league pitcher who, like I said, we're not just talking about the really good. We're talking about the off the charts, great that's how great they are.
the best in their cities and that maybe the, some of the guys best in their high school's history and yeah you know, that they're the best of the best so it's it's di- it's a different level and when you're at that level um it, it's a little harder to i mean i could feel bad for someone i'm a human being i could feel bad under any circumstance regardless of how much money you make or your what your status is or situation but your capabilities are different right and which also means your capabilities of recovering and and succeeding after the fact yeah you have more you have a lot more resources and a lot more uh, ways to do things. Yeah. Um, I want to I want to take take this uh, in a little bit of a different direction here. <clears throat> I've never actually talked to you about this, but is it true that you were behind the microphone in the Giants broadcast booth with John Miller and Dave Fleming? It it is true. Uh, it is it is true. It was in uh, two thousand and what four um is when it was so back when dino- uh, dinosaurs roamed the, the earth that's right that's right and barry bonds was playing for the giants so yeah. samuel adams the beer company did this uh promotion they did it with a with a, a handful of different cities i guess throughout uh major league baseball or areas and they basically did a an announcer for an inning competition and so i can't speak to what they did in different cities but what they did in in for the giants and in the bay area was uh they had these preliminary auditions at at bars and 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 different venues that you could go audition and and what i had to do was i went to a bowling alley in palo alto and uh you announced uh barry bonds hitting a home run i believe it was a walk-off home run and uh from that era of time or maybe even that season and uh that that you know the applicants went you know they recorded you and then they take what you did and then they they the group judges that and then they pick five finalists, I think two alternates. And we went out to, I want to say Pier 24 um, and did a competition where we did five uh, minutes of a Giants game in front of uh, in front of an audience and in front of some judges, kind of American Idol style. Joe Fonzie was one of the, was one of the, the judges. And Dave Fleming hosted it and he was kind of the tiebreaker judge. There's a handful of people there. And uh, Jim Cook, who's the the founder of Samuel Adams, he was, he was there and uh, it was all promotional thing. Right. And so you do the competition and then they, they rate you everybody you know, one through 10, one through 10, one through 10, and, and you get a score. I was fortunate enough to win the competition. I, again, very young guy I was in 2004. I was what, you know, 20, 21. So uh, win the competition. And and for that, I got to uh, me and I, I brought my uncle with me. I uh, got to sit in a suite, can be our suite. And then um, I got to go, I was in the, um, I was in the, the, the booth for a little bit of the pregame and then the, the first inning and then the second inning, they brought me on the air. So uh, John Miller was there, Dave Fleming, uh, Giants played the Diamondbacks that night, scored a bunch of runs and uh, it, it was a blast. So yeah, that, that, that's not a rumor or if it is a rumor out there, I can confirm it now. It's true. It really happened. So did you get to call anything good? Like, did anything happen during that second uh, inning? Yes. So if memory serves, and I've got a recording of this, my dad did some pretty cool stuff with it. And again, this is, you know, very different era, right? In terms of, I, I think he took the recording and then like put it on a CD or something. But um, <laughs> I, I want to say that the Giants had a rally um, and I, uh, John Miller threw it over to me. And um, I think I call, I called a base hit uh, up the middle that knocked in a run. I called a, a bases loaded walk, uh, to score a run as well. And, um, it was a lot of fun. It was, it was a blast. One thing that was really interesting, Barry Bonds was hitting, you know, 
coming up on, you know, different milestones in terms of home runs. So when I was on the air and the Giants were rallying, uh, this was back when Fleming was very new. So I was on the air with Miller and I was kind of basically Fleming was stepping back during that window of time. And then they told John Miller kind of told me off the air. He said, when Barry comes up, don't talk like no matter what, don't speak. And the idea was because these home run clips, they have legs and we don't want just some random voice (laughs) in the clip. Not that it was like, you know, the home run to break Babe Ruth record or anything like that, or, or, or pass him or, or break Aaron's record, anything like that. But it was, they, they, they knew that the home run had some value in terms of the audio. So they, they, they want, they didn't want some random kid's voice uh, at all on the call. So I, I was told very much to, to be quiet when he came up, which happened to run during the time that I was on the air. So I had to kind of deal with that, but uh, total blast. Uh, super glad that I did it obviously. And really glad that I did it. Um, and this matters to me that I did it when I was 21 um, because I think that I was old enough to kind of appreciate it, but young enough that they appreciated me. Right. And so I think in the end that really worked out well, I think had I been me now, not that they wouldn't have been nice to me, they would have been great to me, but it would have been a totally different vibe to have a, a, a like a truly a grown man with two kids in there, as opposed to kind of this young man who's starting his life and is into this stuff. Um, looking back, that was a key element that added some value and added the joy of it. And I think made the, the guys that were involved with it, you know, made, made them relax and also try to make me more comfortable. I'm trying to imagine. That's great, by the way. I'm trying to imagine you when Bonds is saying 660. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, again, uh, you know, I'm very much a rule follower. I mean, John Miller could have told me he needed me to jump out of the booth and I probably would have done it. So uh, it, w- it, w- it was all good. I was, I was jazzed to even be up there. Um, I did learn a lot about kind of the way the Giants do think. I mean, th- this, was, this was very rare. The Giants are, um, they're very friendly. They're very fan friendly. They're very... Uh, interested in having the fans be close, but not too close, right? Like, like the guy from KMBR that kind of showed me around, he's like, look, you know, we're going in. I've never been into the KMBR radio booth, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. He, at, at the ballpark. So he was kind of giving me context. Like we don't just do this. It's not a, they're not, they, they don't goof too much uh, at KMBR, right? Especially with the Giants. It's not, it's not their deal. They, they want to have fun, but it's not, it's not just, Hey, anybody's welcome. So I, I kind of got the importance of that. Have I ever have I ever uh, told you my my Dave Fleming impression? Have I ever shown you? No. That? Okay. No. Here we go. Okay. This is great content right here. Dave Fleming live from the Hawaiian Airlines broadcast booth. That's. <laughs> I like it. On. That's good. Yeah, it's it's not great. It's it's getting there. It's good. It's yeah. good. And you know what's really cool is is Fleming has become a national broadcaster, really. And in many ways, doing a lot of the same things that John Miller did when he uh, was was going with the Orioles, then eventually the Giants, right? Doing some national stuff, and you know he does the football stuff too. And, and some he can leave; he can get any job he wants in sports casting, but he still sticks That's around. Right. Or so That's there's right. a lot of you could tell he really enjoys it. Like he yeah. he the window's been open for him to leave for years. And I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Steve Berman, who used to write for the athletic. He's known also as the Bay area sports guy. He did a great media column. And I actually talked to him about this on the podcast and he was like, yeah, Fleming could go wherever he wants, but he really, really likes San Francisco. So there's a lot of respect there for 
uh, for Dave Fleming. Uh, and I guess uh, let's before we sign off, I want to ask about your your Reardon broadcasting and your Reardon uh, athletic directing. I guess yeah, yeah. you kind of get started with uh, broadcasting uh, some high school baseball games at Archbishop. Well, Reardon. so the deal with Reardon was um, I was getting into grad school, and I'm now finally. It took forever, but I finally finished. But I was getting uh, starting to, to get towards working towards my master's. And I kind of needed, you know, I wanted a kind of a next challenge in my career. I'd been the athletic director at uh, Trinity Prep in Napa for a number of years. And so uh, Jesse West was the athletic director at Reardon at the time. And he's a friend of mine, a guy that I had hired as a coach at Trinity before. So he was going to bring me in, kind of work in the department. And uh, I was going to broadcast some games. I actually did uh, some football and basketball the year before I had really come on to work full time at the school. And uh uh, then right as I was coming on board, he, he, he resigned and he moved to Virginia. So uh, they had this kind of void. Uh, your brother was going into his sophomore year at the time to That's give right. you context for how long ago this was. And um, I, I was one of the few guys standing around that had some athletic director experience. So I got the job. Um, and one of my big things was, hey, I'll do this, but I really want to do some games. It's, it's a big thing for me. And so I've really used my, my full-time job to help fuel my hobby basically which has been you know doing these games so I've, I've obviously done the football and basketball for years I started doing the baseball strictly because I just love the game and I love calling the game and I do it you know we're not even doing it you know with the streaming and you can watch it in the whole bit we're just doing it audio at this point and uh, people tease me that you know we don't get a lot of listeners I don't even care uh, yeah. <laughs> I just like to do it it's fun for me um, and so I do it and uh if we get five listeners, we get five listeners. That's fine by me. And as you know, I've done it for a number of years. Uh, ironically, I had a break from doing baseball because of COVID. I was uh, I hadn't done any games yet in 2020 when COVID hit, and obviously that season got derailed. And then last year, or last last season before this one, uh, we had all the sports going on, so I wasn't really in a position and freed up enough to to do the some of the baseball games because um, we were doing basketball at the same time, every sport at the same time. It seemed like. So uh, gotten back in and done some games um, this year, which has been great and, and just love doing it. I mean, I love doing it in the, the purest form and just, just trying to do it for the sake of doing it and getting better at it and uh, giving people a chance to listen if they can't be there or in the case of football and basketball over the years, often, you know, giving them a chance to, to watch the game too. Um, and I think what we've done with, with Reardon is, is kind of, use it as a way to prop up the athletes to prop up the school a little bit and, and present it, uh, which is nice. And I would imagine, I mean, you, you have a different perspective because you're a stu former student and, and alum, but I would imagine it was a nice thing when you were involved with the school and, and even now to, to tune into a game or check it out or see what's going on. No, hundred percent. You do, you do a great job with all your broadcasts. And I remember listening, uh, I, I pitched, I started one game. This was my junior year. And I remember going back and listening and uh, I think you said something like, and there's a changeup or a fastball, one of them. <laughs> <laughs> was, you yeah. couldn't exactly tell. So I thought that was funny, but uh, no, definitely do a really good job with, uh, with football, basketball, baseball. Uh, and it's good that the students are involved too. So kudos to you for, for yeah, all so that. that. And that's one thing too that I'm really proud of. And I, I want to bring up since you mentioned that is over the years, we've gotten students involved with it, right? Um, and, and it's really cool to see that we've had kids go on and, and want to pursue this beyond high school. And, and that's a thing that really matters to me because 
when I was in school, when I was that age, I had mentors and folks in positions like mine now as athletic director or different roles, coaches who really supported me. So it's kind of my way to, to pay it forward. I'm huge into that um, because as you know, and I did this when, when you were a student, I always talk about like, look, there's many ways to be involved with sports that have nothing to do with playing or even coaching. So if it's something that you're passionate about, um, there's avenues to get involved and make this a career for yourself. Yeah, no doubt. The green team is what I hear. That's right. Yeah, that's right. The green team. I feel like maybe you didn't come up with that, right? You didn't. I, I, did, I, I didn't. Uh, <laughs> I didn't. One of the students said that um, it's the unofficial name. And I think, again, uh, for me, it's a really big deal because I see a little bit of myself in all those kids. Right. I was them. And I always think about that. And that's always in my mind all the time is, is trying to help them because people that are that were in the position then that I'm in now uh, really fostered that help me. I mean, I think back to um, my junior year going into my senior year, my my high school baseball coach. I wasn't even a member of the team. I was just a public address announcer. Uh, he he helped pay for a broadcast, a, a sports broadcasting camp at uh, the University of Pacific. And I got to go there, stay in the dorms and the whole bit. And he did it. I mean, he funded it through the school and made it work and the whole thing. Dave Marshall. And, uh, you know, I, I helped coach Marshall win no games. You know, we, we don't have any wins. Yeah. He doesn't have any wins in, on his ledger as a, as a coach because of me, but he, he understood, Hey, he, I'm here for something more than just coaching baseball. And he really tried to help, help me. And, and that stuff has never been lost on me ever. That's, that's great. That's awesome. And I have no doubt that you're going to continue to carry that torch. BG, it was great. This was a great conversation and I really appreciate you coming on. Anytime, Riz, anytime you know that. And I really appreciate you and uh, keep up the great work. You, you talk about carrying the torch. You're one of our, uh, our, our Reardon guys, kind of unofficial, uh, original member of the green team. And uh, making so, it yeah. happen out here, man. You're, you're, a, you're, you're, you're not even a budding star. You're just a star. You're just making it happen. And uh, I, I can't wait to see what you do next and where you go. And we're all very, very proud of you and everything that you're doing. And uh, keep up the great work because uh, it is great work. Thank you. I appreciate that. And, and thank you for listening. I know you've given me some feedback on a few of these. And uh, now it's like two worlds are colliding. Now you're a part of one. So that's that's, that's right. I love awesome. it. Uh, so anyways, you guys could follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at RizzoCast. Uh, and then, of course, um, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you find your podcast and YouTube. So thank you guys for watching and see you next time.